Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. Well, hey friends, I'm glad you're here today, and if you're with us in Vallejo today, a special uh, welcome to you and online. Um, We are continuing this conversation uh, about what makes you happy. We're going to start landing the plane right now. Pastor Ken's going to come back next week and uh, put it all in a box. We can take it home with us, and we'll be happy from then on out. Um, I'm glad you're here with us at Northgate. Our mission is to become wholehearted followers of Jesus, and coming here on the weekends is one of those important parts of that process. Um, so I'm thankful that you're here, and if you happen to be using the new app today, <clears throat> or if you've just downloaded it, you're like, hey, I heard that you can take sermon notes on here. Um, I want to invite you to do that. It's a little bit different, so that way you're not confused. On the very bottom, there's a bar down there, and I'll say sermon notes. You just click on that. And then uh, if you're wanting to use it this week, or look at your notes, or send it to somebody else, <clears throat> there's two things up top. It says share, and it says email. You want to hit the share part. Emailing would be like emailing us to say, I have a question or I need something. The sharing part is where you can text it, you can put it on social media, you can email it to yourself. I hope that makes sense because I see so many of you opening the app and looking at it right now. But there's also pen and paper if you want to go old school. I'm in. So the, yeah, woo, 2017, come on with me. <clears throat> uh, so we're going to continue this conversation about what makes you happy. And today really is counterintuitive. It's not what you think uh, when it comes to happiness, unless you've experienced. So unless you've experienced this personally in your life, um, this idea is really, it just doesn't make sense. We keep asking ourselves, how can this be? This doesn't make sense. This is not how we work. This is not how culturally we work. This is not how personally I work. It's not what I've been taught. Um, it just doesn't feel natural. Um, but if you've experienced this personally, um, you're going to get it and you're going to understand it, And then you can share with others um, how we really become happy. And I'm going to jump to the end, one of the main points right now. We're going to work our way back to there. And that is that as long as you are about you, you won't be happy. Now, I'm sure you've met someone and thought that about them, but you've never thought this about yourself. But as long as you are all about you, you won't be happy. And here's why. Here's the deal. Because you can't fulfill you. You can't. You can't fulfill you. I can't fulfill myself. So what we, what we tend to do uh, is we get really focused on ourselves. And here's the deal is you can't, I can't, we can't acquire, consume, or exercise our way into happiness. This is such a foreign thought to us. This, isn't, this is so unnatural, counterintuitive, not what we typically think. What we're taught and what we usually think about is that hey, we need to acquire more, we need to consume more, I need to look better, feel better, and I'm not against some of those things, but that this leads specifically to our happiness. And we've talked about it for a couple weeks, about this comparison trap thing. The other week I brought out um, a bookcase, and it was basically your life on a shelf, and how we compare these different things, what people have as far as their wealth, or their schooling, or their career, and if I just had this, or if I just had that opportunity, if I had that part of that person's life, and what that tends to do is what I like to call, it creates a composite person. And a composite person is made up of someone or the person we make up when we grab little pieces of people's life. And we're like, if I just had that job, if I just had that house, or if I just had that type of family, or I could have this family, or I had those type of relationships or network of friends, then I could be happy. Then I would be successful. Then I could acquire more, and I could uh, consume more, and I could look, and I could feel 
this way. And a composite person, when we do this, there's no one, it's all made up. There's no one in your life that you can think of anywhere around the world that if you could just look at that person, if you could snap your finger and turn into them, that you would do it. You would all just take bits and pieces, parts um, from different people's lives. As long as it's not like your brother or sister, you don't want to take any of that. But other people that you see that you like, you would take those pieces. And what a composite person is, is a monster. A monster. What a composite person is, is Frankenstein. It's bits and pieces and parts put together. It's these bits and pieces and these parts that are put together uh, that make up this life. And when we become so consumed with ourselves, no matter how much progress we make in this, no matter how much progress we make in our careers or in our finances or our family, of what we think will make us happy, what will happen is we will become or we will continue to be unhappy. You've probably met someone like that, or maybe even yourself has been like that, where you've constantly just tried to grab and you finally got that promotion or that job that you wanted, you finally got the amount of money you wanted or the place that you wanted or the education you wanted, and maybe you're sitting back going, why am I still not that happy? Like, I'm really actually doing everything I wanted to do. And you continue in this toil and this uh, chasing after things. But I'm going to tell you today how you can become happy. And before you plant some agenda on me, uh, hang with me. This is how you can do it. You can serve and you can volunteer your way there. And before you leave the room, hang on. You're leaving the room. Before you leave the room, hang on. You can serve and you can volunteer your way there. This is really how you become happy. Happiness lies in this place. So I started to ask this question. We're going to see this uh, in the Bible. We're going to see this. You can actually go home. When you're done with this, you can Google this and say, is there a connection between serving and volunteering and selflessness is the, and, and happiness? Is there a connection between happiness and volunteerism and health? Is there a connection between happiness, health, and volunteering and self, selflessness altogether? And the answer is, There's a ton of connection, and there's a ton of studies that have been done on this subject specifically. You can Google a ton of them. One of them uh, that I uh, read that I really liked was out of the University of Chicago, and they asked this simple question. They asked a bunch of people during this study this question of, what is the most fulfilling job, right? What job gives you, uh, makes you the most happy or makes you feel like your life's on purpose? You have the most, it's the most fulfilling job that you can get. And it was narrowed down into these four categories, and those are The jobs where you're caring for others, teaching others, protecting others, or creative pursuits like arts, dance, music, photography, those types of things. So the most fulfilling jobs that you can have in life which create your happiness is things that include others, right? Not just self, caring for others, teaching for others, protecting others. And creative pursuits. And this was so good. Um, I also was looking into this one so great. It's in the UK. They did a study. They took over 40 studies that have been done on the attachments of happiness to our health um, and volunteerism or service or mentoring. They took 40 different studies. And this is what they did. Over 20 years, they took these studies that have been done over 20 years. And they took them all together. And they found some really interesting things out. And what they found was that volunteering health and happiness actually um, takes down or puts in a down face depression. Depression goes down. Heart disease goes down. Stress goes down. This is so good. For teenagers, actually, they, they noticed this too. Drug use and unplanned pregnancies 
went down for people who are volunteering uh, when it was related to their health and their happiness. That even, this is, this is good, listen to this, that even volunteering with a bad attitude still had positive results. <laughs> Serious. So even when you drag your teen into volunteering, that it still produced positive results. And it actually showed for young people that when they were shown or mentored in that aspect of a life that's lived like that, they were more likely to volunteer when they're older and they had a healthier lifestyle. What went up about this when people were volunteering when it came to their health and happiness is that their psychological well-being was better, their physical health was better, their self-esteem was better, longevity and quality of life. So I'm just going to let you know the guy who volunteers at Walmart is going to live a long time, right? (laughs) Even with a bad attitude (laughs) because it's just healthier. It's a better, this is the, this is the coolest part. The Bible and and, and even science clinically, uh, there's research that's been done that shows us that volunteering and mentoring actually boosts our immune system. I was reading an article. I'm sure you've seen lots of these fun articles. It was five cancer fighting things that you can do. And volunteering and mentoring was one of those. That volunteering and mentoring actually can help cure disease in your body. It boosts your immune system. And so he asked himself, like, how can this be? This doesn't even make sense, right? Unless you've experienced it. It doesn't make sense. Like, that's just who we are. We were created this way that uh, we were created to acquire and consume and to, to be about us and to look this certain way. And this is how we're supposed to get happy. Like, this is what makes us happy. I was born this way. One of the best things that we're learning that you can do for yourself is not focus on yourself. So the big question we're going to discuss today is this. How can behaving selflessly make myself happier? How can behaving this way selflessly make myself better? How can that be? Or how can emptying out myself leave me feeling so full? Now, if you haven't experienced this, only the people who've experienced this understand this right here. When you're just exhausted and you've gone and you've given yourself, you've served, you've volunteered, you've mentored, you've invested yourself into someone else and you leave feeling dog tired, but at the same time you feel so full. You're like, gosh, I just feel so good. I feel like this has been such a gift to me. Many people say, you know, I don't have time. It's turned into like the gross badge of honor of our day, right? We say to people, how are you doing? And the response used to be good. Now it's busy. That's like the badge of honor. It's gross. Uh, how you doing? Good. Just real busy. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad to hear that you're killing yourself and you're just about you and <laughs> you're hurried and you don't have time to be present for anyone. I'm not going to ask you any more questions. Good, because I don't want to, because I'm busy. I don't want to talk about it. I'm busy acquiring, consuming, uh, making sure that I look good here. Thanks for asking. It's this gross disease. And what we're learning is, is that... I don't know if you have time not to make this a focus and a priority in your life for your own health, for your own well-being, for your own happiness. And we're going to see in just a moment what the Bible says about this, because one of the best things you can do for you is to not invest as much into you. One of the best things you can do for your family is serve and invest into another family. And again, how can this be? I don't understand. Like, how's this, this doesn't make sense. This is not the way that we're created to be. And I want to tell you today that this is exactly what you were created to be. And this is why. Divine design. God, the creator of you and I, in his image, created us to live with open hands. God created you to one another 
one another. You've heard the one another's before. That's the way he made us to be, to love one another. And we resist this so often. You've heard these, to love one another, care for one another, carry one another's burdens, forgive one another, serve one another, celebrate one another. That's the way we were created to one another, one another. This is where happiness leads. You're just a better person and you're happier. But selfishness comes so naturally, doesn't it? I've talked about this a ton. You know you've met any human being on the earth. You know what selfishness is. Uh, Just to point the finger at somebody else. But especially if you've met a small person, a little tiny person, they are selfish people. And they have never been taught this. It's the craziest thing. I have little children. I mean, even my almost two-year-old little teeny guy, there is nothing that has been taught to him about selfishness. That dude is just made that way. I give him a bag of popcorn that's got 397 pieces of popcorn in it, and I ask for one. He will fight me to the death because he has done everything he can to acquire, consume, and make himself feel better. That's what's going to make him happy. That's who we are. We are this, this selfish thing. It doesn't, it, we don't have to work at it. But I'm telling you right now, this is the way we are designed. Selfishness is not the way we're designed. It's just what comes naturally. This was God's plan for us. And here's what happened. Sin. Sin separates. Sin is one of these three things. You can really give it any definition you want to if it fits into these three categories. Sin separates us from God. It's the things that we do and we've sinned against God. Sin separates us from ourself. I can't live with myself. I can't believe I did that. I can't, live, I, can't, I, can't, I can't even deal with myself right now. And sin separates us from other people. That's what sin is. Put your own, if you've had or you know someone that's had any kind of broken relationship, it's been because of sin. Sin in that relationship has separated them from one another or separated them from God or separated them from themselves. This is what's happened where the brokenness has happened. But this divine design uh, has been messed up because sin separates. And in this specific context today, sin separates us into our own self-centered worlds. That's how we live. We think that's where happiness comes from. Sin whispers into your ear and into my ear. Larry, every day, this is the way we get, Larry, spend all of your time and all your money on you and you will be happier. And then you sit there all day and you think about it. Ooh, if I could just have that. Ooh, what do I need to do to do that? Ooh, what do I want to consume? What do I want to acquire? How do I want to look, right? That's what sin whispers into our ears all the time. And if you want to be happy, if you want to live the life that God has created for you, you've got to find a way to give it away. Galatians uh, is a book in the Bible. It's actually a letter Um, that we call a book in the New Testament that a guy named Paul wrote to a church in the providence of Rome. Uh, And what I want to look at today um, is uh, it's in chapter 5. I want to look at um, some things that he said. There's some great, fantastic, rich theology in here. I'm not going to dig into that as much today. We're just going to touch it. Um, But what I want you to see is this stark contrast between living for myself as opposed to pouring myself out, right? This whole acquire consume mentality, opposed to pouring myself out and being about uh, other things. 
And so um, he's going to uh, share with us. We're going to hop right in the middle, which is a little bit dangerous, but it'll be good for today so we can see these lists and how they contrast one another. And this is actually the uh, verses that we use for one of our core values here that you've heard a ton, which is a people in process. And for some of us, maybe it'll make that a little more clear today of what people in process means. He starts out in verse uh, 19 of chapter 5. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Now, flesh in there in the Greek language can be placed with sinful nature. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Now, this is really if you're just going to tie one off, you're letting loose, right? If you had no ethical or moral boundaries, if you had nothing in your way, if you had anything you could get, anything you wanted to, anything you could pluck off the shelf, be any kind of composite person you want to be. He's saying, this is a life, the acts of the flesh, this is the life that you live that's all about you, right? Consume, 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 try to make yourself happy. And he's saying, hey, it's obvious. You all know what they are, but I'm going to write them down anyways. And so he writes them down. He says, these acts are sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, which is like extreme sexual activity, idolatry, um, which is like uh, praying to the gods to, to come and, and get what you want, your will. Sometimes even us Christians can get into these idolatrous moments where we pray to God, what do I need to do so you can give me what I want? Uh, witchcraft, which is like harnessing nature for the same thing to get what I want. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So here's the synopsis of this list. That's all consumptive, right? Is that this is pleasure at someone else's expense. This list that he's saying that we are consuming, acquiring is at the expense of another person. When you give in to to these things or this pleasure... It's always at the price for someone else because, and it gets worse because what this stuff is, this is all feeding in a part of this thing called an appetite. We all have an appetite. And when you start feeding it these things, it wants more. It grows this bigger appetite for like, fill me up, fill me up. If I can acquire, if I can consume, I need more of this. This is going to be so good for me. And then you find yourself just a mess. And so he contrasts this right afterwards with this list that we use for this people in process. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is saying, God, I've tried. I keep stuffing it in. I'm trying to grasp all these things. I'm, I'm trying to fill myself, and I can't anymore. God, right now, not my will, yours. The fruit of the Spirit What is the fruit of the Spirit? You see this contract. The fruit of the Spirit versus the acts of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit saying, God, uh, it's not mine, it's yours. I'm going to give it over to you so you can fill me up and I can pour out. It's not mine, it's yours. Versus the acts of the flesh saying, it's just me. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to put it in. I'm going to consume. I'm going to acquire and continue to live this way. So this fruit of the Spirit versus the acts of the flesh, he then reads this, what the fruit of the Spirits are. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is, is these things. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. You can do it. I believe in you. You can do it. Gentleness and self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is what we have been divinely designed to be, to produce. 
as people in process on this journey. This is what God's called us to be, and this is what this will produce, which is just happier. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he says what I think is maybe one of the best lines in all of ancient literature, maybe even all of the New Testament. This is so good. You ready? This is so good. He says this, against such things, there is no law. Now, hang with me here. Can you imagine? Look at this list, these things. Against such things as loving, joyful, peaceful, kind, good, faithful, gentle, self-control, and patient. There can be no law. Can you imagine this, this, how happy you would be? Wouldn't you be happy living in a, in a, in a, a household like this? Yeah, come on. Are you kidding me? This is like where there's no, there, there potentially is no need for law, where police officers' jobs are literally traffic control just to talk the other person into continuing to go because you're, you're just going, come on, no, you, no, no, you, no, you. It changes the gig completely. If you lived, think about your relationships. We all have relationships. You're single, you're married, you have children, you have in-laws, you have people you work with in your sphere, you're in an empty nest stage of your life. You all have relationships. Can you think about how much happier it would be if that, if, the, if, if that was produced in there on a constant basis, that those relationships in that household, can you think about how that would change your relationship with your child, with your spouse? You know how many marriages would be different? This says, I'm going 100% this way, and you're going 100% this way. I am all about you, Period. I am not consuming and acquiring and assuming what I should get and what you should give me. My happiness really comes from pouring out and going 100% because this is what I get back. That's the fruit that it produces. Can you imagine what this community would look like? I'm serious. Just imagine. Like, just have fun for a minute. What would that look like? What would this church look like? People in process is a game changer. This is where they meet Jesus. They don't meet Jesus in your brokenness. They meet Jesus at your resurrection. Too often, too often, we hang out in the junk. We hang out in the funky list. Not enough do we hang out here because this is who God has called us to be. And that is happy. Too often. If I'm not in it for you, I won't be happy. Think about... Uh, this, is, this is even crazier. Can you imagine? Think about this nation. What would our nation look like? Can you imagine? So that's, that's happiness. So I'm going to give you another example real quick. How do we, um, here's one to help uh, bring this home. How do we measure the value of a life? How do we measure the value of a life? When you go to a memorial service or a someone's funeral and you hear them all talk at the end, you're usually measuring the value of that person's life. What you don't hear is the first part of that list, which is consumptive, which is, um, hey, you know, Tom was really immoral. <laughs> Let me tell you what, he was impure and indulgent. That guy hated everybody and he was jealous all the time. He was angry and he was constantly drunk. He really gave a lot back to this community. Let me tell you, you never hear that, right? How is the value of a life measured? It's measured by the fruit that's produced. Those are the people that you want to be like. Those are the people that are making difference in their lives. Those are the people who are happy. Not the people who have everything. Not the people who make the most money. 
Not the people who have the best family. The people who give them the self. And you're like, wow, they lived well. They poured themselves out. And they were filled up. I wish I could have that. These are all consumptive. All pleasure at someone else's expense. The value, friends, of life is always measured by how much of it was given away. You want to be happy, give yourself away. There's no agenda. God taught it to us. That's the way he created us. Science is even figuring it out late in the game. Give yourself away. Pouring yourself out is what fills you up. I'll give you one last real quick example as we finish up here. Uh, This is a picture of the Dead Sea. It's dead. Um, Nothing lives there. (laughs) Uh, It's too acidic. Salt in there. Um, and uh, you can, like, you're buoyant in there. A lot of people go, like, seeing the Dead Sea. Uh, the water goes nowhere. It just comes in. And this is a picture. There's this problem that's happening in the Dead Sea um, where it's, like, actually really dying. <laughs> like, we might not have a Dead Sea anymore. We're going to come out there and be like, there used to be a Dead Sea here, and it's gone. Um, this is a picture. This is from 1977, 1989, 2006, 2009. It looks like California a couple of years ago. Um, but this is a major issue that's happening, and they can't figure out why this is happening. Um, they, they're like doing all sorts of research trying to figure out why literally the Dead Sea is disappearing. And uh, one thing about the Dead Sea is that um, water just comes into it and never leaves. Just continue flows in there. But just north of that, you have the Sea of Galilee, and it's healthy. It's flourishing. People eat off of it. They ski on it. They party on it. They enjoy it. Because there's water coming in of it, and there's water going out of it. You get where I'm going? You are not created by design to just come in and in and consume. Don't be the Dead Sea. You're going to end up dead and dying. You don't know why. Everyone's going to say, what's going on with you? You've got to let it come in, and you've got to let it come out. Pouring out is what fills you up. And ultimately makes you happy. Friends, would you bow your heads? If you're with us at our Vallejo campus, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads as well. And someone's going to walk out into the stage and they're going to interact with you. Right now, I just really want to give you a a free moment of personal reflection. (laughs) Are you happy and why? If you're not happy, why? Why? Maybe you need to ask yourself, am I too focused right now on just consuming, acquiring, making things about me? Or am I living a life of service where I'm pouring it out? And by by design, receiving the fruit that comes with happiness of peace, joy, love, kindness, gentleness, patience. Maybe even because of today and your own personal self-reflection, you need to ask yourself, is there a relationship I need to go fix and heal because I'm not going 100%? I'm really in this relationship for myself and not for that other person. Maybe for some of you, things are going to change with your children this week. 
with your spouse, with your coworker, with your in-law. If anything, maybe today you just need to release the weight that you've put on yourself of selfish indulgement that's leading to just a dead end. There might be a friend in here uh, this afternoon or in the Vallejo campus or online that maybe you've never been made happy. Maybe your life continually feels like a dead end of just consuming with lack of results. I want to let you know that Jesus Christ sent his son for you to make dead things alive, to pour into you so you can pour out into others. And from that, the fruit of his spirit, maybe like never before today, you need to receive love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, and goodness like you've never experienced. So if you're here in this room today, maybe today is the day that you no longer allow sin to separate you from that relationship. Maybe today reconciliation will happen, repentance will happen, and God will make right again what has been wrong. And you'll be in a right relationship with him, in a right relationship with yourself, in a right relationship with others. And if you desire that, it's a gift that he's willing so freely to give to you. If you would accept and not allow that to separate any longer. And today might be the day. So if you're here today in this room of Venetia or in Vallejo, with everyone's heads bowed right now and you want to receive Jesus for the first time to make you alive in him, would you look up at me? Would you look up at the person in Vallejo and raise your hand? Just let me pray for you celebrate with you as you've just given your life to the king of kings, the creator of all. God, we give our lives to you. Would you fill us up as we pour you out as people and process as we become better and happier in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. You may-